0: Am I on? Can you hear me? Yes, I'm on. Good. Okay. Um, I've got to make sure. My wife, so I'm a, I'm a fidgeter. The staff knows this. I can't have a clicky pin in my hand for more than like two seconds before I'm just... Um, last time I had this in my hand, the booth got mad at me because I just, I just click buttons. And last time, I think we had moved like six slides through a song, and they were freaking out. And I looked down, I was like, oh man, that's probably me. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, if uh, you don't know me, my name is Sam Young. I serve as one of the ministers here, um, and I'm excited. I, I love the chance to get to speak every Sunday that I get. It's, it's an honor and a privilege, and I'm always excited because one of the things that I love about my job and I don't love about my job is that a lot of what I do is, is sort of just down the road. And, and for most of you, you don't really get the chance to see or hear what we do with our college ministry, Rams for Christ. And so today's one of those days where I get to kind of share with you a little bit about what we do um, over the course of a semester. And, and that's what I'm going to try to do today is kind of share with you just a little tidbit about what we talked about. But before I do that, I'd love to start us off with a word of prayer. So if you'll bow with me. God, thank you for today. Father, we thank you for the chance we get to be together as a family of believers and as a church. Father, I just pray that you would bless each and every one of us as individuals and bless our church community. Father, I pray for today that as I speak, that my words are not mine but yours. and Father, that, uh, that you are shown through what we talk about today. Father, thank you again for this chance to be together, and I pray your blessings over the rest of our time. In your son's name, amen. Okay, so um, every semester we do these things called worship nights. Um, I, it's like that's something you've never heard of, a worship night. Um, but we do, we do four, usually four to five a semester. Basically, it's once a month. We do a worship night and a free meal. In this semester, um, I, I talked through a series I called The Essential Church. On those Sunday nights, and and a lot of the reason I talked about this topic was because I get the question probably 60 times a year from college students: "Is Rams for Christ the church?" And traditionally, I've thought my my response is, "Well, not really. Um, no, it's it's not a church because uh, you know students ask, 'Is it is it a church? Is it like what we do here on Sunday mornings?' And it, we we don't really look like a Sunday morning church." So I've always said, no, not really. And then as I've really thought about what church is, what church means, I think uh, my answer changes. Yes, we are a church. And I started with this simple but incredibly important definition of church, and it, uh, it buzzed, and there it is. is this, a, a church is a community of people who gather together regularly to become more like Jesus. So why why do I talk about the essential church? And there was two questions I was trying to answer with this series. One was, why is church essential? You know, is church essential? And I, I, I looked back to, to 2020, and there was a lot of things that we got to choose uh, was essential or not. And I think in the name of loving our neighbor, church has made the right decision to go to virtual meetings, but now you think about, you know, three and a half years, four years later, we think there's probably some things we lost when we suspended in-person gatherings. Um, And so the question of why is church essential in, say, January of 2020 is drastically different than that question in today's world. And I think to answer the question why church is essential is so important because young people, uh, people in general, are asking that question, why does, why does what we do here matter? And, and we have to be able to say it matters because as a, a community of people, we are here to try to be more like Jesus. And that's the challenge and the goal. And the second question I asked through the essential church is, well, what's essential about a church? Uh, you, you, you drive through San Angelo, and I, you probably see 50 to 60 churches in your commute to work, or it's an exaggeration, but you see a lot of churches. And, and a lot of the questions I get is, why? So, so what does that church have that that church doesn't have? What's, what does that church believe that that church doesn't believe? And what, what is essential about a church? What are some of the basics that a church has to believe in? And we talked about four things this semester. One was Jesus. Ultimately, a church has to be founded and built on Jesus being the Son of God. The second thing we talked about was submission. That it is essential for a church, not just as an individual, but as a congregation, to submit to God. The third thing was prayer. It is essential that God's people spend time in prayer. And and the last thing, and the one I want to focus on today, is it is essential for us as individuals and us as a community to have faith. To have faith. And uh, I'm grateful for Jeff's reading of, of that passage in Timothy because it really speaks to what we're talking about today. But I really want to focus on one passage. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to spend most of our time in Hebrews chapter 11 this morning, and it's one of my favorite passages in the book of Hebrews because um, it is the, just the most unique story of the people of God, and so I want, to, I want to take a moment, and I'm going to read a couple of verses, just the first two verses in Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen it gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. And I want to stop here for a second and say that out of context, this verse is super dangerous. Right? Faith is, is the confidence, the hope, the reality of what we hope for. And, uh, you know, I, I could have said I got up this morning from my bed and I hoped... Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll show my card, that Texas Tech would have won the national championship in football this year. And if I got up and I truly hoped and, and believed it, y'all would all look at me and think, you are crazy, for a lot of reasons. One, they're not even playing in it. Two, they're not really that good. They're, we're getting there. But they're not that good. Right, taken out of context, we, we could use this passage to say that, well, I hope that nothing bad happens to me for the rest of my life. I hope that I will be financially successful and, and can retire in, in, you know, in my 50s. I hope that, um, you know, I hope that my kids will never go through suffering, right? This, this passage, taken out of context, can be very dangerous, um, and that's why I want to read through Hebrews chapter 11 for a moment. Now, I'm not going to read all of Hebrews chapter 11. That would take a long time, but I'm going to kind of, you can follow along with me if you have your Bibles, but I'm just going to kind of read through some of these, these high points in Hebrews chapter 11, because I think we often forget about the journey that God's people have gone through, and, and it's all about faith. So, so follow along or just listen to what I have to say, but, but here's some of the things that Hebrews chapter 11 talks about, right? By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed by God. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family. And by his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons Jacob and Esau, and it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months before he was born, and it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, was refused to call the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. And it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city. It, reading that, I think we, we can always remember back to these stories we hear in, in Sunday school and we're like, oh yeah, that, that's a cool story. And, and we forget that it was by faith that these people did that. You know, it was by faith that Abraham left. It was by faith that Sarah was given a child. And, uh, and I want to finish Hebrews chapter 11. So, so, so the words will be on the screen. It says, how much more do I need to say it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised. They shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength, and they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back. Again, from the dead. Man, faith seems so cool, right? These people, when they had their faith, their weakness was turned into strength. And let me encourage you that absolutely God will and can turn your weakness into strength. It's by faith that God can and will do that. And here's another kind of dangerous part of this story is that if we just end it here, Man, faith sounds awesome. Life sounds great. Right? We can have faith in the hope that nothing bad will ever happen because God will turn our weakness into strength, right? So what happens when life gets hard? Let's continue. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their home, their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some Jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sod. Some were killed by the sword. Some went out wearing the skins of sheep and goats and were destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over the deserts and the mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. It was by faith that God's people endured suffering. It was by faith that God's people endured hardship. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Praise God. So, so, so here's the important part about faith. Here's why faith is essential, and here's why faith is hard, is that we can have faith when life is great. But we should have faith when life is not so great. In fact, uh, one of the, the quotes I heard when, when studying for this was that, that these people, through their faith, they had faith in what God could do, not what they could do. And and I believe when we talk about why faith is essential and why why faith is essential for a church as well as an individual? It is because we will experience hardship. Life will get hard. And life will be beautiful at times. And God is faithful the same as he is when life is good as the same as when it's not so good. And, uh, and I want to I continue on in Hebrews for a moment. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to tell the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from the sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given up your lives and your struggle against sin. When I read Hebrews chapter 11, I often think, well, where's Jesus in that story, right? We, we, We hear all these people of the uh, all these stories of the people that we, we know, and then we don't hear about Jesus. And, and Hebrews chapter 12 starts with, because we have a great crowd of witnesses, because we have the stories of, of the people in this Bible, and because we have the stories of the people sitting right next to you, we can run the race with endurance. And I'm grateful that my race at times is hard, but I have the people around me to give me endurance and faith. It was by faith that Jesus endured the cross, so that our faith can be perfected. Faith is not easy. Faith is hard. Faith is challenging, and faith is beautiful. And it's because of Jesus we have perfect faith. Today's uh, today's. New Year's Eve, and like many people around the world, uh, this is a time where people get to celebrate what was, and they get to look forward to what will be, and uh, I'm not very good at resolutions, like most people. We often break them within like two weeks, Um, and, and I always struggle with New Year's Eve because it's like, okay, it's just, it's the last day of the year, tomorrow, tomorrow's Monday. Um, but what I, what I think is really important about today, and as people around the world, many of us will, will set goals and set resolutions to try to be better, right? Whether it's to be smarter or healthier or richer, right? The question is, is what if we, we had a resolution to be more faithful? Um, this church is... Uh, in the next year going to embark on what what our what our vision is and the work of that vision is going to begin and and the question is is are you going to be faithful to the work that god has set before us is your faithfulness to that mission and that vision dependent on if you like it or if your life's going good or are we willing to be faithful through all things um, I want to I share a story as I, I wrap up about um, New Year's. I, I, uh, Scott introduced me to a book about a, eight months ago called Tattoos on the Heart by a guy named Gregory Boyle. If you don't know who Gregory Boyle is, he's, um, he's a pastor and a priest in Los Angeles, California. And uh, if you've not had the chance to go to Los Angeles, California, spe- specifically Skid Row, I may not like, encourage you to go. Um, I, I've had the chance to go twice. I spent about uh, two weeks in Skid Row uh, in 2012 and 2013. Uh, We did a mission trip, and it was incredibly eye-opening for me because at that time, Skid Row was the largest collection of of people experiencing homelessness in America. Um, I remember we would walk down the streets of Skid Row, and there was thousands of people uh, along the, the sidewalks, and the rule the 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 ordinance was people could, could sleep on the sidewalks during the evening, but they had to pick their tents up at night. But they didn't have anywhere to go, so so there's still just thousands of people on the sidewalks of of Skid Row. And I read Gregory Boyle's book, and he specifically works with um, with gang members. And uh, Los Angeles was also at one point the capital city of gang activity in the United States. And Gregory Boyle's goal, his purpose, was to work with rehabilitated gang members uh, to get them back on their feet. And so he started a thing called Homeboy Industries. And part of Homeboy Industries was he had a, uh, he had a cafe, and it was a chance for, for gang members after they got out of prison to go and work at this cafe. And he gave them jobs. But one of the unique things is is the, the people working oftentimes were in rival gangs, and they had, to, they had to learn how to work and live together. And before work one day, Gregory Boyle, last year, uh, came to the cafe and kind of gave this little, this little speech about New Year's resolutions. And he, he said, last year, Time Magazine uh, collected data on the top 100 New Year's resolutions. And through that list, he said that two stood out to him. And I thought they were pretty powerful when we talk about faith. He said, one, the first resolution was this. Be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. New Year's a lot of times is about looking to what's next or looking to what's going to be different. And and that's valuable. don't, Don't hear me say that's not wrong. I think we should all be looking ahead. But we often do that and forget about where God has put us right here and now. And so that resolution of be where your feet are requires a lot of faith. Uh, It requires faith in recognizing that God has put you here for a reason. And maybe God will take you somewhere else for a reason, but be where your feet are. The second New Year's resolution was, was this. Remember that your record of getting through tough moments is 100%. Your record through getting, of, of getting through tough moments is 100%. And he says that, that your record will be 100% if you have the faith to be where your feet are. So, as a church, as an individual, let me challenge you this year as you look to what's next for this church... Or for you as a, an individual and as a person, be faithful in what God is calling you into. Be faithful that God can and will use you to do incredible things. Be where your feet are, and remember, you have a track record of 100% getting through tough moments. Let me pray. Father, thank you for today. God, as we celebrate the end of one year and the beginning of a new, I, I pray that you would just bless each and every one of our lives. Father, as, as we look to what's next, I just pray that, that you bless it. Father, as, as life gets hard and as we experience joys, I pray that we are always reminded of the faithfulness of you and your son. Father, thank you for this church and the work that you have tasked us with and the work that we continue to do, I just pray for good things for our church. I pray for good things for everybody in this room, wherever they are and wherever they're going. I just pray that you bless them. You put your hand of peace and comfort over them. And Father, thank you again for this time. I pray your blessings over the rest of our time together. In your son's name, amen. There are going to be some people around the room who would love to pray with you, and this is one of those moments where it's easy to say it every Sunday that there are people who are willing to pray, but. This is a part of being a part of the church family. So if you need prayer, if you need, um, if you need that, there are going to be people around the room. Thank you.